Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have a guest that I've had in the works for longer than I'd like to admit. <laughs> Somebody I met a few years back named Mark England, and we dive into his story from fighting and traveling the world. We didn't, I don't even think we brought up uh, his years working with Iboga, uh, maybe next time. But we really dive into his company, Procabulary, and the power of the words and language that we use. Um, he has some phenomenal gifts and phenomenal gems in this podcast, and I'm not going to bore you with too much of the, you can expect this, you can expect that. I will say uh, he has come up with a discount for everybody at procabulary.org slash Kyle. I will link to that in the show notes. And uh, this is this is just a phenomenal episode. It really helped me to understand a bit more of my dark night of the soul and, and start to connect dots and pieces along with that, which we will dive into in the podcast, but, um, absolutely love Mark, loved this episode with him. Uh, I had a great, great conversation with him and I know you guys are going to dig it. There are a number of ways you can support this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. That way more people find us out and check out our sponsors. They make this show possible. We are brought to you today by Higher Dose. Higher Dose is an amazing company that is making infrared sauna blankets and infrared Pulsed electromagnetic frequency mats, PEMF devices, uh, which contain amethyst and all sorts of other goodies, tourmaline, which uh, increases the negative ions that you're receiving, similar to what you'd feel in the ocean. So if you're like me in the center of the country without much uh, ocean around you, this is uh, one of my favorite products. Experience the powerful benefits of infrared and feel the difference after just one session. Infrared increases blood flow for faster recovery, better sleep and a calmer central nervous system. Plus, it naturally releases the dose of happy chemicals in the brain, leaving you feel euphoric. The sauna blanket has an amethyst layer to deepen the benefits of infrared and a tourmaline layer that generates negative ions, a charcoal layer to bind to pollutants, and a clay layer which is balancing for the heat. If you don't have the budget or the room for a full-size sauna, this sauna blanket is a game changer. For those of you who want to experience the benefits of infrared without the sweat, they also have a really cool infrared PEMF mat that comes in two sizes. It combines the dual technology of infrared with pulse electromagnetic frequency for an unbelievable recharging experience. PMF stands for pulse electromagnetic field and it works by sending electromagnetic waves through your body at different frequencies to help promote your body's own recovery process. You'll feel relaxed, regrounded, and rebalanced. What makes their mat so unique is that it not only is that not only does it combine the infrared with the PEMF, but it also has a thick layer of 100% natural purple amethyst crystals in mesh fabric tube across the entire mat. This powerful crystal therapy creates an even deeper treatment and is naturally emitting healing negative ions when heated. The smaller mat fits comfortably in an office chair so you can recharge while working, whereas the regular size mat is great for stretching, doing yoga, meditating, or even just chilling and watching TV. And that's how I, ha I have it set up that way. In our living room upstairs, where we have the TV and where I read bare books, we actually don't have couches. We've got two king-size beds, and one of those I have the mat on top of in the corner of the room, and I lay on that while I read Bear, uh, his books at night. And this is a phenomenal way where I increase the potentials of my mitochondria, I lower inflammation, and it preps me before bed. I absolutely love these products. And you can get your own infrared sauna blanket or infrared PMF mat at higherdose.com today and use my exclusive promo code KKP75 at checkout to save $75. That's higherdose.com, promo code KKP75.
We're also brought to you by Organifi. I love these guys, and I love Drew Cannoli. Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root causes of our fatigue. It turns out two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients to your day. You simply mix a scoop into water or plant-based milk of your choice, like almond milk, and enjoy a natural boost at any time of the day. If you've got a busy schedule like I do, it can be hard to get all your nutrients on the go. Even if you had time to juice vegetables or eat massive salads, you might not love the taste of dark leafy greens. As we all know, a lack of nutrition can lead to low energy, bad moods, and all sorts of long-term issues. That's why Organifi makes it easy to fill your life with more nutrition using delicious superfood blends. Add a scoop to a glass of water to energize and nourish throughout your day, and it's packed with all the goodies you could imagine, medicinal mushrooms, adaptogens, and everything else your body needs that you're not... I'm clearly not eating. I'm certainly not eating uh, ashwagandha from, <laughs> from the health food store. I'm not throwing that into my juice blends. All this stuff's available in here, and it is so incredibly easy and convenient. Uh, my six-year-old eats it, uh, or my six-year-old drinks it, rather. We eat what we drink, I suppose, when it's superfoods like this, but it is one of the easiest ways for me to round out my daily schedule. When I get busy podcasting and doing stuff on the go, as many of you have heard me talk about in the past, we all love the green. It is a uh, it is a staple in our diet. The red is something that I've been experimenting with pre-workout, and I absolutely love it pre-workout. And then, of course, as I've mentioned before, the gold is the best thing at night. It is my nightcap. I have it every single night. I heat up some full-fat coconut cream, and I blend it in with one of them little hand job whiskers. The, the whisker, maybe not a hand job, <laughs> the hand whiskers. I'll blend that up in there, and it tastes phenomenal. I mean, it's just the, the thing. I mean, I think my body recognizes it at this point. The, the gold from Organifi is just this, oh, it's okay. Now I get to go to rest. Now I get to relax. And it's a way that I unwind in the evening. Um, they've got many more supplements, all at Organifi.com. All of them are fabulous, and they taste phenomenal. Your kids will like it. www.organifi.com slash KKP and use code word KKP at checkout for 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash KKP. Code word KKP for 20% off everything in the store. And we're also brought to you by Magnesium Breakthrough. Did you know that 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium? And that is the number one mineral to fight stress, fatigue, and sleep issues. My work schedule has been rather hectic lately, and I'm also doing a 40-day strength challenge, as I mentioned, I think on the last podcast from Easy Strength by Pavel Tatsulin and Dan John. So I'm working out more. I have also started my day with a hot sauna and ice bath every single day like I used to at, at Gabby Reese and Laird Hamilton's. That's on the daily. So I'm sweating a lot, and I'm not just losing the good, the, the bad guys, the, the detox. I'm, I'm losing salt, I'm losing magnesium, and I'm losing a lot of other things that I need to replenish. And magnesium is at the top of the heap when it comes to that. Supplementing with magnesium has not only increased uh, my ability to stay in the gym, lowering fatigue and tiredness and muscle cramps, it's also helped me to recover quicker and improve my sleep quality, which I can measure on an Aura Ring or the Whoop Watch or whatever your favorite little tracker is at night. Um, 
I'm so excited to share this with you, this magnesium product that I discovered, because magnesium is the single most studied mineral in existence. It powers over 600 critical reactions in our bodies. But not just any magnesium. The one I recommend is Magnesium Breakthrough because it combines all seven essential forms of magnesium into one convenient supplement. Most magnesium supplements fail because they are synthetic and are not full spectrum. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, pain and inflammation, and even less stress. With this one simple action, you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all its forms. It's going to help you get better sleep, fight fatigue and tiredness, feel less stressed and more at ease, and it's going to allow you to be more productive and feel less anxious. This is absolutely amazing. You can get 10% off all these wonderful magnesium products at magbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H forward slash kingsboo and use code kingsboo10 at checkout. Of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. And last but not least, we're brought to you by the Cold Plunge. Many of you just heard me talking about this right now. Many of you, all of you, hopefully just heard me talking about how I start my morning. And my morning routine has shifted for the better, thanks to my beautiful and amazing wife, Natasha, for having the intuition to wake up earlier than the kids and actually get shit done for myself. So I've been setting my alarm for 545. Every day I get up, I hit the hot sauna, and I get into the Cold Plunge. I do the two rounds of that. It takes me about 45 minutes to an hour. And I am lit on fire for the day. If I don't have time to sauna, I'm in the ice bath no matter what. And that's one of the most beautiful things about this is the fact that the cold plunge will create a state change from the neurochemistry all the way to my physiology. I will feel different. I will think different. I will operate different simply from changing my core temperature. Many of you have heard uh, the wonderful benefits of sauna therapy from Dr. Rhonda Patrick and infrared. Obviously, we just talked about that with higher dose. All of these are fantastic tools. And cold therapy is an incredible tool. Not only does it help you burn fat, it'll lower inflammation, and it kicks on all sorts of feel-good neurochemicals when you get in that thing and get out of it. It is an absolute game changer that I cannot live without. And if I only have one minute of the day for myself, I'm using it in the cold plunge. Check it out over at https colon forward slash forward slash T-H-E-C-O-L-D-P-L-U-N-G-E.com and use code KKP for $111 off. That's the coldplunge.com, code KKP, KKP at, at checkout. checkout. And here we go with my dude, Mark England. All right, let, let, let's start it off with that. I didn't want to cut you off, but I also no. wanted to get this on. Just, I was about to say thanks in advance for, for uh, having, having me slash, uh, slash us on, Kyle. It's appreciated, man. Absolutely, We're, we're big on it fans. This is your 250th time being on a podcast. Correct. Talking vocabulary. Talking about the words and the language. Shout out to our good friend, Mike Bledsoe. He accurately... Once upon a time, called me a one-trick pony, which I liked. I really liked because that it's true. There's only one thing I talk about, and there's only one thing I need to talk about. I have to talk about, so it makes things simple. Well, and that that it's funny how many times people. I, I even have this in my human design. Not that that. I mean, it's verified in the, in my experience in the world. More importantly than what I see through human design, although I do subscribe to a lot of human design. But the jack of all trades, ace of none. Mm-hmm. So I'm good at a lot of things. 
I know a lot of things, but I'm not a master of any of them. If you are the ace in this one thing, there is nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. And that's exactly what I want on this podcast are aces in each particular profession or skill set, because that's when I get to glean from it greedily for myself, consume that, digest it, process it. And then, of course, we've got this all videotaped and, and audioed up for the, yeah, for the world to listen to as well, brother. Yeah. Oh, this is uh, this comes at a perfect time. We've, we've known each other for, at least known of each other for at least over three years now, four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I met you way back at Paleo FX, like 2017, something like that. Um, we've hung with the same circles, so we see each other from time to time, even though you're out in Virginia. Yeah, but it's taken memory. a long time to get you to get us both here today on the podcast, and I think it comes at a perfect time because of the fact that I am, as most of my listeners know, really focusing on my language these days. So this is a uh, perfect timing, brother. Take us through, you know, I do this with every guest, but take sure. us through life growing up. And uh, I know you have experience with martial arts and a lot of cool shit. Obviously, you're wearing a shirt from Thailand. You spent some, a lot of time there. You know, give us this background and talk about your life that led you here. Right on. Born and raised Richmond, Virginia. Uh, to uh, Both my parents were born in Virginia. That's home. Um, a pivotal moment in my life, uh, martial arts oriented, was my science teacher, Dick Overton. Nice guy, liked him. He, he paid attention to the students, you know, he, he connected. And, and he was also the wrestling coach. And he said, hey, you ever think about coming out for wrestling? And I thought, no, and I like you, and I'm tired of getting my ass kicked in football because I'm small and those guys aren't, and it's not gonna get any better. So uh, yeah, I'll come out for wrestling. Wrestled in high school. Um, 1996, Paul Creighton, who fought BJ Penn for the title, uh, uh, 155-pound title, I forget the year. Uh, he, he was at Radford University, and he said, are there any wrestlers in the room? So he was there doing a master's degree and he was also teaching jujitsu a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm wrestling. He goes, come on out, we're doing Brazilian jujitsu. Uh, uh, you might like it. And I was, I never really, I didn't love wrestling. I did it because it was, I liked it. Fine, I pinned you, fine, you pinned me. But the first time I got choked, bro, <laughs> that was a completely, that made a lot more sense to me. And it was, I remember the choke like it was like it was yesterday. I was in the guy's guard. He stuck his fist in my throat. And I know you're a black belt and UFC vet. Super cool, dude. This the, might be the worst choke in the world. Fist in the throat, pulls down on the back of my head, and I'm flailing, trying to grab for something because <laughs> I think I'm drowning. And he lets go, and I go, wow. I've fallen in love with two things on site. Kyle Kingsbury. First was jujitsu in 1996. And then the second was language, what we call in the enlifted community story work in 2003. And those two things, I don't, I don't practice much anymore. Maybe a little bit of kickboxing from time to time, but I watch all the UFCs. I'm a big fan. I always will be because it gave me so much. Um, but those two things, uh, they have held my attention and kept it from the very beginning. Um, I had a handful of amateur fights, uh, six MMA fights. I won a couple of kickboxing state titles. 
and all my buddies in Richmond and Radford are going pro. And I'm like, that's the cool thing to do. So uh, I decided I'm going to go to Thailand. I'm going to move to Thailand for a year sharpen up my elbows and I'm going to come home and, 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 and do the pro deal. That totally didn't happen, dude. I did move to Thailand. I lived there for a decade. which was Damn, when, so when you're stressed to 10. Yes, because I tanked over there, dude. Uh, the wheels came off the bus. Six months in, I'm having my second knee surgery. And uh, uh, you do it there because it's cheaper. Did it there because I was living there. <laughs> Their medical is phenomenal. Their medical is phenomenal. I, I, I had a Tommy John done over there in, in uh, 2018, which is also a, a, a part of this story. I mean, depending on how much you want to get into that. But um, and I was fine when I went over there. Six months in, after overtraining and um, you're just a, a little bit too much of hard sparring. I'm, I'm having my knee scope for the second time. I'm in a ton of pain. And the doctor tells me, your career as a fighter is over. You could become a very good swimmer. And I'm thinking laps next to grandpa. <laughs> and, and that is not what I was looking for at all at 26. Darkness descended. I bought into it. I bought into the story. I had no, I had no, I had no protection mechanism to external stories. I just went with the first story that showed up in my head, not even a rough draft. It's my own voice in my own head. Sure, I'll believe it. What, what could possibly go, go wrong? Quite a lot, actually. And, and so uh, I used that fail as evidence, proof, that I am doomed to fail, that I am not good enough, and that there is definitively now because there's the proof you went for it and you, you, you choked that there's something wrong that, that there's something wrong with you those are my secret fears and um, I use that as evidence so much so I didn't laugh for an entire year and something that I'm sure your listeners know about you and and it, it the penny dropped when we were over at your house a couple of years ago you're a funny dude man <laughs> you're funny like 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 uh, uh, and I, I do have a Kyle Kingsbury story when we first met. Uh, and I can do this quick. <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear it because uh, my, my brother, Christian Pena, who was in our, our open marriage for, you know, two years. I mean, he's still in our open marriage. He's, our, he's my brother for life. Um, he has one of the best Kyle Kingsbury stories. So I was like hearing these because I don't hear them until a couple years later, usually. Yeah, I've, <laughs> so, I've told this probably <laughs> 10 times. Okay. Even more now that I knew I was coming on your show. So... Uh, 2018, early 2018, uh, no, I'm lying, summer of 2017, I come to Onnit for uh, uh, one, of your, one of the certs and I get introduced to you and Aubrey at the same time and we're, we're chit-chatting about Iboga, Ibogaine and um, you're on the stool, I'm, I'm standing next to you and we're about head, head height at, uh, with that configuration. And you stand up and you go, you know, I'm, I'm having some problems with my hip. I'm getting some acupuncture in my hip. And anytime I get into stance and you stanced up on me, and I, I, I lived in Thailand for a while, I've never had anyone of your size and stature square up on me you like probably that. probably looks like Saget from Street Fighter. Dude, I was like, this motherfucker could knee me in the nose with zero effort at all that's terrifying. I'm glad he's very nice. 
That's my Kyle Kingsbury story. And <laughs> then, then, then the that's second one. That's not a one, bad one. I like that. That's not a bad one. It's cold as shit. This is a couple certs later. I'm staying at the Red Roof Inn. It's windy, middle of winter, super cold. I walk in and I am visibly shook. Okay. And you go, you're, you're, you're just, you're right there. You go, little brisk out there for you, huh? And, <laughs> and it was, it was funny, bro. I like that. That's not as bad. With Christian, I, uh, he, he was, he was setting up a bench press out on the main room and on it. And, um, I didn't see anyone on it. And, oh, there's a, there's a word play right there, but I didn't see anyone using the equipment. And so, and I'm, I, you know, I've got my headphones on that kind of thing when I was working out in there, as opposed to the new, you know, with, with the gym moving, the MMA gym moving across the street and that becoming sports performance. That's typically where I stay now. And they've changed it up front. It's all group classes. But at that point you had open classes. So sometimes people wouldn't take their gear off and I'm like, cool, there's already 135 on the bar. I need a bench, but I'm moving quickly from bike to bench and doing some, some, cross flow training for cardio. And so I go over there and grab the bench and I start benching and I didn't realize he had set that up, right? So his, his first reaction to me is me robbing the bench that he just set up and, and walking over and thinking he would say something, but having heard from Juan and all these other guys like, oh, dude, they, you don't want to fuck with that guy. He's, you know, he used to fight in the UFC. So he didn't say anything. He just bit his lip. And no, I'd have been I? like, let's work out together. What are you doing? Come on, let's jump in. I need a spot. You want a spot? We uh. could easily, you know, it's bench press. I'm going to take at least two, three minutes in between sets. Let's use this together. But that was hilarious because he, he got punked, I guess, in the first interaction he had with me. And so we always run that one back. I, I like hearing stories like that where I'm not, you know, the, the, the asshole in some way, shape or form, because there are people that I've met, you know, in the past. And I always thank God for plant medicine because I understand things from a different lens. But, mm. um, you know, when you meet certain people that you look up to or that you've heard about, you you really want that interaction to go well. And I always try to remember that when I meet somebody for the first time, but you never know where you're catching somebody. They could be having a shitty day. They could have just broke up with their with their girlfriend or gotten laid off from their job. You never know what's happening, right? So I always, I always try to remind myself of that. But, and then I think back like, man, how many fucking people have I met where I wasn't my best self? You know, or I Join didn't treat that. Yeah. Join the club. Yeah, buddy. Um, well, I mean, talk, talk, there was a word you used, enlightened or enlifted community, mm. uh, when you were talking about language. And it's funny because, you know, I've been talking about this in fit for service with Eric Godsey and Aubrey and Caitlin for a while. You know, we're the, we're the, we got five now with Vailana as well, with five coaches that are permanently with that group. And um, there tends to be, I don't want to, I don't want to call it word vomit. And this is certainly not connecting the dots to you yet. Um, but the nomenclature changes from community to community. And one thing that we've seen with people who are doing the work or using plant medicines or any of these things is that, you know, they'll use the crafty spiritual words. Galactivated language. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, it. yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's spiritual bypass or, you know, uh, you know, stuff from the psychology community and different things like that. And, um, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but if it's done in a way where it's still used to manipulate or, you know, try to one-up somebody or come across smarter than you are, things like that, then it, I think it's failing to appropriately use language that's going to connect heart to heart, you know, on a personal sure. level. And I'm I, just to note that, Super happy that you came out here face to face because we are heart to heart right now, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, 
unpack, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the work you're doing is with these communities because of the fact that these are people who get the download, the same download I got, where it's like, hey, this words are fucking magic. They're our first magic. It's one of the first ways we bridge the gap from the astral to the 3D is through the logos, through language. We speak it into being. Mm -hmm. We make the statement or the prayer as if it is already so. You know, all of Joe Dispenza's work. And more and more, I've been getting those downloads because I have not done that work. I haven't bridged the gap. You know, and I've, I've spoken before on this podcast about some listeners first being turned off because I cursed. They're like, oh, I'll leave that to Joe Rogan, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, on one hand, I grew up being around curse words. It's, it's ingrained and never saw an issue with it. But on the other hand, I have kids now. And when, you know, sure. Bear says, hey, what does fucking mean? You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, that one. Um, well, uh, it's a word for adults and I'll, I'll explain it later. And I'm like, dang it, man, I can't, I can't use that. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's any one word in particular that irks me in a way where I take offense. I don't take offense to any of that stuff. Sure. At the same time, tone is super important, especially as a parent. And if I, you know, like loosely throw out an F-bomb while I'm chatting with you and that's in front of my son, he doesn't think there's a big deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to be more mindful around the kids. But even on the podcast where this is largely coming through audio, people are tuning in to the words that we're saying right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes sense too. I should sharpen that sword. No doubt about it. I went to college at ASU for communication, but the stuff you're teaching is a hell of a lot different than that. So let's let's really dive into this and, and maybe give me some differentiators between what you see with kind of the airy-fairy language versus um, really taking control over how you think and speak to yourself and others. We specialize, Kyle, in the systematic methodical deconstruction of people's victim mentalities. There are language patterns to the victim mentality. And in my personal and professional opinion, it is the thief in the night. It's here for everything. It wants your time, it wants your attention, it's here to jack your relationships uh, uh, and, 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 and your talent. The definition, I'm gonna take a little bit out of the middle, the current definition of the victim mentality the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. That second sentence, right between the eyes, right where it belongs. The victim mentality depends as in it has to have a habitual thought process and attributions. Depends. And then habitual, which accurately implies duration and addiction. I was talking about this last night. Uh, most people know somebody who's addicted to their victim mentality. Life is not fun there for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, our breathing is trapped in our chest. It's a stressful place to live as a victim. I have a lot of friends that are in the uh, yoga community. After 10 years of working in a variety of different settings with people in the yoga community and language and watching what happens when people use their words to down-regulate them, get their breath in their, their, their abdomen low and slow and how much more bendy and fluid they were, I reached out to 
five friends in the podcast, or excuse me, in the CrossFit space in October, 2016 and said, who's got the best podcast in CrossFit? Because I have something to say. And that one thing to say was, hey, everybody, our language is influencing us for better and for worse. And if you use more of these words and less of these words, you're gonna get your breathing working for you. All of them came back, said Barbell Shrugged. One of them came back and said, Mike Bledsoe is aware of your work. Would you like an introduction? Damn right, I'd like an introduction. So we go on his show uh, January 20th, 2017. It drops a couple of months later, and then we get introduced to the fitness industry through, um, I mean, as good of a, they're, they're fantastic. Um, Barbell Shrugged at that point was Barbell the was banging. podcast when yeah. it came to, and in a stretch, it went, you know, as any great podcast does, but it it branched out so much further than just the CrossFit community, but really that was their niche. You know, they got in right as CrossFit was blowing up. They understood it. Uh, all the guys, I mean, Dr. Andy Galpin was a regular on that. I mean, they had so many great guys on that podcast and it didn't matter if you wanted to learn about weight loss or CrossFit techniques, uh, overdoing and underdoing, any of these things. And then so much more than that, obviously mm -hmm. the show continued to bridge and bridge and bridge further and further gaps into plant medicine and everything else. At the time they had a formula five fitness podcasts to one woo-woo-ish podcast. And we both know who was involved in sourcing the woo-woo-ish <laughs> folks. Uh, and I was that I was that one out of five. Um, and, you know, that, that uh, uh, kicked off. Mike Bledsoe and I became very good friends. We welded each other at the hip for a, a couple of years and uh, shot the, the Enlifted course, which turned into the Enlifted certification, coaching certification. That's what we do. We certify. It's where 95% of my professional time is, is, is focused, is to certifying um, coaches in a specific style of story work to, once again, dismantle that victim mentality, to know the language patterns of it. Mindset is talked about very frequently. And that's very valuable. And when we add in the conversation, rubber meets the road conversation about the words, then mindset becomes exponentially more practical as in I can practice it. I can raise my awareness about soft talk, pluck out the maybes, the thinks, the mites, the almost likes, the guesses, the sort ofs, the kind ofs, and watch watch my words and my energy solidify and also watch me develop confidence, uh, which is an inside job. And, and as we, because guess, I mean, who likes prolonged bouts of indecision, man? That shit is stressful. And when we take ourselves out of these, these upregulated states and, and uh, most people walking around, you know this, you're a fitness expert. Most people are walking around with their breath trapped in the chest. And in my opinion, personal and professional, is the vast majority of that is because they have no education about how their language influences them for better and for worse. So I was a teacher before I got into this line of work, which I've been doing somewhere between uh, full-time and overtime the whole time for the past 14 years, just staring at this one thing. I'm a simple guy and I stare at things until cool things happen. Uh, uh, I didn't have one court and I got, I was brought up in the public school system. I didn't have one course class or conversation on either side of that fence on how my language influenced my imagination for better and for worse, or how my language influenced my feelings and emotions for better and for worse, or my posture or my breathing. And those are the four things that we focus on with our words 
those are four major components of the of people's experience of themselves, how they see themselves, self-image, how they feel, how they hold themselves, and then and then how they breathe. Two thousand is you know would it be a Mark England podcast if uh, 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 I didn't talk about abracadabra? I'm living down in Ecuador, two thousand twelve. We're out to dinner with friends. This guy knows I'm into the language game, and he goes, "Hey, Mark." You know what abracadabra means? Yeah, yeah, magic. No, 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 there's a little more to it than that. Abracadabra, and please everybody look this up because this is huge. If you're into creating a life that you're gonna have fun uh, uh, living uh, and you wanna feel comfortable in your, it's hard to feel comfortable in your skin when your breath is trapped in your chest. Google it, it's true. He goes, no. Abracadabra is Aramaic, which is the language the first uh, Old Testament was written in. It's still spoken in some parts of Mesopotamia. It's a very old language. And abracadabra translates to with my word I create or with my word I influence. The hair, dude. The hair on the arms and the neck stood up. I put the fork down. Moved. I said, tell me everything you know. They looked this up too. The metaphysicians, the teachers of the day, they would triangulate abracadabra and wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word and also to dispel evil. Dispel means to cast out. The definition of a spell, Webster's not mine. It's a word or a combination of words of great influence. That's it, for better and for worse. And yes, fine, fuck is a curse word, is a four letter word. Uh, you know what's way more of a, a curse? spell, in my opinion, no one will ever really love me. You know, I'm fine with people dropping F-bombs, okay? It's the stuff, it's the not so sweet nothings that we whisper to ourselves. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of the, the a, a part of the problem. And, you know, if we want to get all Rudolf Steiner about it, you know, we were talking about uh, permaculture, biodynamic farming. He had a very interesting quote. Any force that seeks to constrict or control is by definition Luciferian. And so when we combine words in certain ways, we literally put spells on us and send ourselves into these upregulated stress states, create constrictive emotions and feelings, go into something called amygdala hijack. It was a term coined by Daniel Goleman in the 19, late 1990s in his book, Emotional Intelligence. We get fixated tunnel vision on something. Not only that, our, our, our listening skills go way down. We lose access to our creative faculties. And, 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 and we got language that describes that. It's like talking to, talking to a brick what wall. Just on a side note, coaches, good luck changing your client's mind if their breath is trapped in their chest. You're gonna get a, a nice socialized nod and a smile, and it's gonna go in one ear and out the other. You wanna facilitate lasting transformation, get them breathing in what we call in the enlifted community, low and slow. Now, Kyle, I can keep, I, I will go on a rant uh, with, with a quickness. I this can, is, this is phenomenal. You're doing great. And I love, I love throwing softballs and letting you hit it out of the oh, park. Yeah, One man. thing I want to add before you continue, and then we'll continue back with low and slow. Cause we'll continue back with low and slow. Just remember that. Uh, when you mentioned fuck versus, uh, I'll never find love. Mm or something similar to that, that struck a chord because I, all my life I grew up around F-bombs and that was fine. It was just par for the course. Likewise, I, myself included. Yeah. And 
It, but, you know, when I, I, many people who have listened as far back as episode 12, where I, I talked uh, about attempting suicide when I was 22 or 23 years old, that was the feeling I had mm. was that I will never find love. I will never be loved. And it was in a relationship, um, in large part, the history of relationships before that were, were right there with it, that didn't look like it was panning out. And that that was my victim mentality view of myself. But that key code or, or spell is one of the most powerful, absolutely one of the most powerful and one of the most detrimental because if, if truly, I mean, what, what we are here is God, is God is experiencing itself through infinite ways and infinite form. And we're just that. We're one with it. And that is an infinite game. And it's an infinite game of love returning to love. So if you cut that out as a possibility that you cannot be loved, there's no room for, I mean, that, that I can think of no worse personal hell. There's no light at the end of the tunnel there. So I just wanted to state, like that cannot be overstated. That one of all the victim frameworks has got to be at the top or close to the top of the list. It is. It's it's right there <clears throat> kissing. And I love the fact that somebody that looks like you with a coming from the UFC or talks about love and that, that's that's how I know we're going to win. Uh, uh, you know, it's it, no one will ever really love me is is it's kissing cousins with a telephobia, which in my opinion and other people's opinion, um, that's the crux of the issue. The telephobia is the fear of not being good enough. A lot of this stuff will distill down to that in one form or fashion. Um, so we're back to low and slow. Yeah, we're back to Thank low you. and slow. Thank man. you for that. Low and slow. Uh, let's see, you know, Oxygen Advantage by Greg McCown. Mm. Not Greg McCown. He was uh, Essentialism. Patrick McCown? Either way, o I The know, Oxygen I know Advantage. The book. Yeah, phenomenal book. And that was one of the things he talked about. He talked about how, you know, there's various forms of breath work, Pachinko method, all these different things. But at our resting state or in, um, when we are prepared and we're calm and alert, which mm. Brian McKenzie and the guys of Art of Breath work on, uh, I think uh, uh, Wilson, Rob Wilson's out in your neck of the woods in Virginia. They've been on the podcast. They've talked about this. So please go back through the archives and check this stuff out. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. So you don't have to dig through it. Thank you, Jose. Um, but this low and slow, was something that I read about in that book, but never really understood. And I was working with a couple of my friends out here in Austin, Dr. Micra Hamilton and Dr. Dan Stickler. And as I was going through HRV training with them, she was like, "You're not. don't try to control your breath. We're just seeing what your baseline looks like. And she's like, well, it's clear you have breathwork experience because initially you were trying to slow your exhale down. But we don't want you to go to sleep. We want equal in, equal out, and we want it low and slow from the belly only no chest rise. Mm -hmm. And she had a chest strap on me to see if my chest was rising. Mm -hmm. She's like, you're really good from the belly. That's why I know you've worked on this before. But how this, and the reason I'm unpacking this, because we're all talking about, you know, right now is how does this impact physiology? How does, how do I embody my everyday waking state of consciousness? And how does the breath influence that? And there's sure. been a number of scientists and people that have spoken about this on this podcast and in the world. It's, it's irrefutable, but on a personal level, once I figured out <clears throat> equal in, equal out through the nasal, uh, just in that belly, low and slow, my HRV jumped through the fucking roof, right through the roof. And that's, that has been such a huge bridge for my meditation. When I started working with Emily Fletcher on meditation, I was reaching places I'd never reached prior without plant medicine. 
Like I was like, whoa, whoa. Like I've heard meditators say like, yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know, DMT. Like if you meditated like I did and it's like, sure, pal, try DMT, sure, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, and I still Pull say hard. that, sure, pal, try DMT if you're ready. Um, but I, at the, paradoxically, like I've reached bliss states and places of awareness and left my body and not to the degree of Paul Check or some of these other people who can remote view and do things like that, whether you think it's true or not. Not here, not, not a part of my discussion. I'm just saying that I have been taken to places within myself that are unfathomably euphoric. You know, she calls it the bliss field. Mm. And it happened from that breath work. It happened from that little metronome, tick tock, tick tock, you know, and that low and slow ease. And that's taken years to train into. But Mm. my point is like, that that impacts everything. How I think, how I feel, my posture, my recovery, my HRV, am I in a state of fight or flight, rest and digest, am I calm and collected and alert? All of that matters through the breath. So the fact that you're, you're, you're diving into this is really important to me and it can't be overstated as well. Please jump in, brother. Uh, it, it's, it's the deal. You know, we're, we're known as, as the language people. Um, and on every podcast I go on, we might as well be known as the language and the breath people. You know, gun to head, push to it. Uh, uh, we, the, the goal in it, the way I articulate it is to unlock the breath of humanity. And, and a big part of that is through the, and it's an, it's an inside job, individual job first, is, is, is that dismantling of our own victim mentality and, and learning, learning about how we go about creating what we allow ourselves to see. Here's some stories about that. So 2018, I'm walking out the door going to give a presentation. I'm in my head rehearsing. I walk over to where I parked my car the night before and it's gone. I would have, I, I remember the feeling, Kyle, I would have loved to have had a, a video of my face because it took a hot second to connect <laughs> those dots. My, my car got jacked, it got stolen. It was like some probably like turn to the side a little bit and like forehead crunch and like an elbow, one, an eyeball, one sweat bead, beating up. Exactly. Call the, I call the police, I said, help. My car got stolen. They go, buddy, we're on the way. And then I call my dad and I said, dad, somebody stole my SUV. I got shit to do. I'm coming out for the farm truck. This is in Richmond, Virginia. I drive out an hour and a half to the farm and I get one of my father's prized possessions, a 1985 Ford F-150. He bought it off the showroom floor, mint condition, still mint condition. It's called Brown and Browner. And I drove Brown and Browner into Richmond and and drove it for a, a, a few months. In 24 hours, Kyle, get it, rocket science, I started seeing more and more 1985-ish Ford F-150s. Most people have had that experience. You buy a car and then you start seeing that car all over the place. You're like, where are these cars coming from? They were always there. We just got a RAV RAV4 as a second car commuter car. And I'm like, there's, my neighbor has one. There's there's at least five I've seen in my neighborhood. Oh yeah. I'm like, wait wait a minute. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Wait a minute. And what, what's happening there, most people have had that experience. And this is a very important thing, in my opinion, uh, to know about 
people that are into personal and professional development, the reticular activating system. I'm sure you've had people on your show that have talked about this. So the reticular activating system, or RAS for short, is a piece of hardware in our brain that we all have and we take it with us everywhere and it is impartial. Once it gets programmed and it gets programmed by us focusing on things and especially if we focus on something and strongly emotionalize over it. Once it gets programmed, it goes on a search and edit mission. It's searching for that thing, and then it's editing out anything that's contrary to that. So while I'm focusing, and it's finding those 1985-ish Ford F-150s, it is editing out blue Oldsmobiles and white vans because it's not the thing. This has been widely studied. Tell me what the name of that is again. The reticular activating system. You're connecting so many dots for me right now, but keep keep Dude, going. My I man. Wanna, yeah. Uh, two, beautiful. Two social psychologists in uh, uh, the late 90s, they did a, it's a now famous study. It's called the Invisible Gorilla Study. And they, they took seven college students, dressed three of them up in white, three of them up in black, and then one in a gorilla suit. And they gave, the, they gave the white team two basketballs, black team two basketballs, and then for one minute, the teams passed the basketballs amongst themselves. 30 seconds in, that college student in the gorilla costume walks into the frame, turns, looks at the, the, the camera, beats his chest and walks out. One minute, that's it. Then they, they take that film, and they've showed this to tens of thousands of people. They wrote a book on it. Invisible Gorilla, and you can you can you can see the original video on YouTube still. They pointed their attention in a certain direction. Magicians knows know know this. People in the news media world know this. They gave them something to do with their attention. How many count? How many times the white team passed the basketball back and forth to each other? And then they asked them after they were done, how many? Correct answer is fifteen. And then they asked. Oh, by the way, did you see the gorilla? 50% of the population, Kyle Kingsbury, this blows my mind. And it's happening all the time. We're doing it all day long, truth be told. Failed to see the gorilla entirely because they weren't looking for it. Their reticular activating, it was so far out of what they were expecting to see and what were, they just edited it out. Now here's the drum roll question, folks, is, is our reticular activating system only paying attention to RAV4s and 1984, five F-150s and, and people in gorilla costumes? Or is our language influencing our reticular activating system? Here's two, here's two tales of two different kinds of spells. One expansive, one constrictive. This client comes in, she sits down, she was just, ass hit the, the seat and just started right hot. I'm having problems in my marriage. My husband thinks I'm attractive. I refuse to believe him. I know where it's coming from. I don't know what to do about it. Tell me more. Little girl, she's 10 years old. She goes to her grandparents' house for Christmas. As soon as they walk in the door, her great aunt is right there at the door and, and leans down and goes, my, you have a big nose, just like me. Thanks for that. Little girl <laughs> puckers up, tightens up, runs into the bathroom, 
what do you think the first thing she looked at when she got in there was? Her nose, which was no bigger now than it was five seconds ago, physically speaking, but now in her imagination, she's got a honker, which then the next line of thought is, I'm ugly. She's strongly emotionalizing over it. The reticular activating system comes on, online and starts finding all the other flaws and then pimp handing away anything that's that's counter to that, like compliments from her husband. And you can tell right quick, that would get in the way. It's like, I mean, just use our imagination. Baby, you look good. You don't mean that. Problems. And then there's the other side of the coin. 2014, I'm doing a presentation. This guy was setting up a booth right next to me. He heard the whole thing. Comes up afterwards. He said, man, that was really cool. You want to hear a cool story about this? Of course. Who says no to that, by the way? And uh, he said, I think I was 12. And my grandfather takes me out in the backyard. And he says, I forget the guy's name. We'll call him Stevie. He said, little Stevie, life's a trip. There's ups and downs and zigs and zags and twists and turns. You're going to get some things right and you're going to get some things wrong. Just always remember to err on the side of being a badass motherfucker. And he said, my whole life changed in that moment. He said, I looked up and saw myself as capable and confident, self-image. He said, my energy expanded. I took this big breath in. And he goes, I've made a lot of mistakes. And I go after what I want. And sometimes I get it right. Either way, I'm learning. And he goes, I, I enjoy my life. So folks, paying some extra attention to arguably one of the most ordinary and overlooked things in, in, in our day-to-day -day, uh, life, which is our language. And when, I'm, when I say language, Kyle, I mean internal dialogue, our thoughts, and then external dialogue, what we think or what we say and what we text. It's so close to home, it's too close to home, truth be told. It's right between our ears and right under our nose. And we don't have any education I'm a teacher to the core, was before I got involved in this. So every time I come on a podcast or have a conversation, I give a presentation here on Sunday night, it's all class. Most people's education about their language comes down to spelling, grammar, and definitions. There's so much more to it than that. And to speak on what you, you, you touched on, this is so much a part of us, the, the, the logos. We don't have a choice in it. Think about it. We start learning. It's as much of us as in our words as walking. Some very smart part of us, before we know what's going, why is it, the baby, you've got kids, babies start crawling around before they know what they're doing, okay? They know they've got to walk. They've got, this must happen. It's that important. They're obsessed with it. And it's the same thing as the noises that these large creatures uh, uh, that are taking care of me are making. As soon as they can start connecting dots, they're mimicking, replicating it. And they, on some intelligent level, they know they've got to, it, it's life or death. I gotta learn this, okay? Our language is an inheritance. That's another interesting way to look at it. You know, we inherit this storytelling mechanism from, uh, from, from, our, from the people that gave us life and also some of the, the shrapnel, for better and for worse, of the stories that they use that same storytelling mechanism to create the stories that they told themselves. Uh, uh, and we inherit the breathing mechanics of our parents. Like, that's crazy to think about. You know, how often does that happen? 
kids grow up in a, if, if I hear I grew up in a stressful environment, I immediately think everyone's holding their breath. And then due to the law of entrainment, uh, uh, the kids model the breathing patterns. They use the same language. We've got the same DNA. And then that old Mark Twain thing, history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. Hello, my expression of, you know, my family's victim mentality and or hero mentality because it goes both ways. We, we, we inherit a lot of great traits from our parents too. Yeah, I think about that too with, um, and you, you know, this is, perhaps painting with a broad brush, but um, successful people a lot of times are faulted for having successful parents or having started off well, right? Like, oh, of course, must be easy for you. You get to go to the nice college and do this and that. And uh, <clears throat> I've been lumped into that category at times, even though I, I still have student loan debt, was a walk-on at ASU for football, didn't have a scholarship, none of it. Um, but, you know, there. If, if, yeah, if your parents went to an Ivy League school, you might be a shoo-in to go fucking go to an Ivy League school. That, that, that doesn't seem too far-fetched. And you might grow up and be pretty successful if they are really successful. And that doesn't, that doesn't tackle all types of success. Everyone's got their stuff to deal with. And a lot of people like Coach are very well off, that started off very well off, who also at the same time, you know, still have a full run of things that need working on, right? So it's not to say that anyone's perfect. We're only looking at one aspect, say uh, financial independence or something like that, or, you know, success in the business world, you know, as that would pertain to it rather than just global success. And it doesn't matter where you start. Everyone's got something to work on. But to that, to that point, yeah, we inherit so much, the good and the bad, right? And, and I think Anahata taught me this, something that was very, very important for me when I first worked with her, we did a, a conscious relationships workshop out in Sedona. It was two hours long. I was there with my wife, Tosh. And I was like, awesome. I'm here with my wife, conscious relationships. This is going to improve our marriage and this will be awesome. And not that it needed improving, but this is just great, you know? And she said, uh, all right, this has nothing to do with your partner. And I was like, uh, really? What? How's that? You know? And she's like, this has nothing to do with your partner. It may, you know, have downstream effects that improve. The relationship, but this has to do with your greatest teacher. So think to your greatest teacher. Who was it? It's likely a parent or a sibling, someone you were around constantly as a kid. And what makes them the greatest teacher is not the one who taught you the most good. It's the one who taught you the most, period. Good and bad. That's because that's your greatest teacher. They've taught you the most. That's why, the, that's why we're defining that as your greatest teacher, because they taught you the most. And... You know, in looking at that, then of course, inverting it, any of these things that they taught you that were could be viewed as bad or could be viewed as, oh, this is, I've been unpacking this for 20 years, whatever that story looks mm -hmm. like, in there lies the gift, right? As, as uh, Paul Levy said on the podcast, in the darkness, we find the light. In, in working with the energy of Watiko or evil or the devil or darkness or whatever you want to call that, that shows us the way back to the light. And so, you know, I, I really do think of that. Like when we, we think of our conditioning, it, it's almost akin to, it's not almost, it is akin Good to our genetics. Our genetics, if you talk to some regular dude, you know, at the, at the doctor's office, some regular primary care, they're going to say like, well, you know, is it, you are, are, you know, your family's all obese. Your family's got type two diabetics or type, type two diabetes. I'm sorry. You know, the writing's on the wall. You're fucked. And it's like, no, that's, that's never the case. You're not doomed to your genetics and nor are you doomed to the story of your past in the way you view it now. 
I agree completely. And uh, getting your breath back too low and slow. I mean, talk about some fundamental uh, language in the enlisted community. We we uh, that's that's very par for the course. We talk about that a lot. Use those exact same words because it's simple. It makes sense. Low and slow. You get your breath low and slow. You get to have a lot more choice about the things that you keep from your parents. Okay, traits and things, and then things that you can let go. Okay. That is the demonst- in my opinion, the demonstration of, of non-attachment. If someone is talking about non-attachment and their breath is trapped in their chest, they're attached. It's simply a mental construct. If you want to demonstrate that physiologically, then get your breath low and slow and keep it down there and you're gonna like a whole lot of what happens. You will sound different. You'll sound different, you'll show up different, uh, you'll be different going out on dates. You wanna, you go, you wanna go have a... a, a a wrecked date, go go and hold your breath. You'll be a poor conversationalist, bad listener, and the vibe will be weird, and everybody's going to know it. You want to go have a nice date, a cool date? Uh, uh, get that breath low and slow and look at the person and listen, which is a lot easier when you're breathing down there. People say, oh, I've got a lot of social anxiety. I immediately think, well, that's because you're holding your breath. And a lot of it, that comes from the stuff that you're silently whispering to yourself before you show up and while you're there. Um, I think about this a lot, Kyle. Yeah, brother. That's great because yeah. you just touched on relationships. So, I mean, it, you know, this, our language impacts every aspect of our lives. And uh, that's something that is super important. You know, you touched on this piece on love and self-love is obvious. Obviously, there's a ton of books written about that. I'm sure that comes up quite a bit, but what are some of the, the things, the common errors that you that you see when you first start working with a group of people or any anyone on an individual, what are some of the commonalities with negative self-talk that you see amongst people? Uh, on a macro, uh, for, for the, the number one macro commonality is they haven't written any of those thoughts down. Mm. No investigation. Exactly. Navigating, dealing with thoughts and stories in your head versus thoughts and stories on paper, it's the difference between night and day. It's tough action navigating a story in your head. Let's say there was a divorce and uh, every time you think about when your parents sat you down when you were seven in the kitchen, you tighten up, you lock up, of course. Uh, uh, And the story is in your head. It's seemingly infinite with the words. Where does it start? Where does it stop? The worst part shows up, oh, there it is again, fight, flight, or freeze. You gotta externalize that. And everybody, I am definitive in my description of our approach, our methodology. Take it like a, treat it like a buffet. Take what you like, leave the rest, okay? You gotta externalize the story. Get it out of your head and on paper. There's a huge difference. Now, instead of it being seemingly infinite, it is finite. There's a beginning word and there's an end word and the distance between my eyeballs and the paper, uh, I've, got some, I've got some distance, I've got some breathing room. And then, and then uh, uh, you say it out loud. So if it's all right, Kyle, I'd like to, to gift your audience arguably one of our most valuable and road-tested bomb-proof airtight pieces of, of coaching tech, if that's okay. Yes, it's called, please. It's called the four-step story work process or four-stepping a story. And this is how we break spells, okay? There are specific events in people's life that still hold 
large amounts of emotional charge and the, the meaning that we assign to it, okay? On a side note, it's, it's rarely the event that gets us. It's the meaning that we assign to the event that gets us. So let's say that um, uh, you're in your adult life and you're going through relationships and your past three relationships have had the, 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 the same feel. And every time you, you, you think about that, and if you do a little bit of introspection, that same feel reminds you of the, the, the divorce that your parents went through when you were seven. And the most poignant moment, that cornerstone in, under the umbrella of the divorce was when they sat you down, which is most of the time, that's what it is, when the, when the children are told. Uh, and this is me having coached a lot of people. Uh, what you want to do is title that memory, give it a specific title, and write it out conversationally with punctuation. That is a very different, and it's so rarely done, it is so rarely done. All y'all coaches out there, bet your clients haven't done it. They haven't written it down and out. They haven't specified it. Most people don't write anything down. And out of the people that do, um, there's a big difference between that and journaling about something, how I feel about the thing that happened, generally speaking, way back then. No, you go put the gor gorillas again, put the gorilla on the table. It's gonna sting a little bit, but that's nothing in comparison to having that thing, that story, and the meaning that you assign to that story, also known as belief systems, also known as opinions. Guess what? I'm not good enough is not on the periodic table of elements. Okay, it's an opinion and it's coming from somewhere. Get that specific memory titled, written out, one. There's only four of these things. Step two, say the damn thing. Say it out loud. Let yourself say it at whatever rate of speech that you want. Cool. If there's some sting in there, it's likely gonna be fast because the person is upregulated, stress response. When someone's in a stress response, they tend to talk faster. I'm not good enough. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Step three, slow it down. Slow it down by 30%. I'm a professional speaker and a professional speaking coach. It's one of the first things that we address when people book in for coaching about how to tell great stories on stage in front of people or on podcasts or workshops or whatever. Or how about just enjoy yourself presenting? That's... When someone slows down their rate of speech, the breath begins to descend. And this is about the mechanics of storytelling. I'm very, very focused, borderline obsessed, with the how of storytelling, not the why. The why is cooked. It is, there's so much room for conjecture and opinion, okay? You break down the mechanics of somebody's back squat though, okay, and you do it slowly, you looking at that, you make some adjustments to it and they're gonna get a different result. It's the same thing with the storytelling. Step three, slow down your rate of speech. As the breath descends, the feels tend to come up, okay? And then step four, total rocket science, folks. I'm lying, nothing that I talk about is rocket science. Let's say there's two paragraphs to the story, four sentences each paragraph. That means there's eight periods. You read a sentence, dun, dun. So my parents uh, sat my sister and I down at the kitchen table, period. Breathe. My dad is the one that told us because my mom couldn't stop crying. Breathe. He said that he's leaving and we're gonna stay here with our mom. Breathe.
He said, this has nothing to do with us and it's not our fault. Breathe. It's not rocket science. You can see where that goes. When someone's, when the breath is trapped in someone's chest, which is bet the farm it is, when the story's kept in the head, breath in the chest, the picture's in your face. As we externalize the story and the breath moves down, mechanically speaking, the picture moves out and your client will change their mind on their own, which is, that has much more longevity and sticking power than me adding in my two cents about how they should frame the thing while they're still in a stress response about it. So, you know, I, I, I contemplated some of the things that I wanted to talk about on this podcast because it's such a valuable opportunity, Kyle. Seriously, thanks for having us on, man. I'm sure you got a line out the door, people that want to come on your show. That right there, I've used that process. Write it down, say it, say it slow, say it with breath on all kinds of things from simple procrastination to war crimes and torture and a variety of gnarly things in between. And it works very well because again, it addresses the, addresses the mechanics of storytelling. And it also incorporates the breath. And it's also simple. You know, this is something that we can talk about. And some of your, your listeners, I promise you, are, are going to do this. You can do it on your own story. Watch what happens. If y'all are coaches, take it and, and uh, apply it into your coaching. Watch what happens. And, and that, that, right, again, speaking to the teacher in me, that's the thing that lights me up, man. People, and again, we got a coaching certification. Fine, cool, we'll do that. It's a business. And we're open source. We're abundant people. This is, our, this is what we're doing. Okay, this is the results we're getting. This is why it's happening. Take it, run with it. Cause the clock's ticking, man. You know, again, I see the victim mentality as the thing in the room. And it's also the swing vote. It's something that we can participate in. You want me to get weird? Yeah. Yeah, good answer. And this is, this is just my formula. Again, rocket science. Humanity plus technology. Technology's here to stay unless there's some weird solar flare or something, right? People aren't giving up their phones. Humanity plus technology plus the victim mentality equals the Borg. That's not fun. The Borg is not fun. They don't have a, there's a, there's no music going on. They're not humping. They're not partying. They're not laughing. It is a fucking bust. There, I said it with an F-bomb. Humanity plus technology plus a hero's story, the hero's journey. That equals Star Trek. We retain our humanness, our warmth, our heart, our connection to source. And we go out into the cosmos and explore some shit and have fun. I love that. I love that you took it there. You know, it's 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 funny with uh there's a lot of parallels in our current reality. It seems like a jump when we use Star Trek terms, but unquestioned, you know, with uh not, I'm going to do a solo cast talking on dark and light. You know, there are forces right now in the world that seek to control humanity, plain and simple. 
It's not a, it's Agreed. A, and I will cite every source because I know people are itching for more. Don't take my word for it. Read the books I've read. Watch the videos I've watched. Your, your shirt's but, cooler than mine. But <laughs> it's, I, got the, I got Mickey Willis's COVID-1984 shirt on here in the background if you're just listening. But, um, you know, that's not the end all be all. And, and I'm going to talk about this on the, on the solo cast as well. But so much of what you're saying is just awesome because I'm chewing up, chewing it up. Um, when I had my dark night of the soul, so much of the external influences the internal as above, so below, as within, so without. So the state of the world, December of 2020, was the state of all this stuff, all this shit hitting the fan and me scratching my head the entire time saying like, we have never shut down the economy because of this. We have never uh, sought to mass vaccinate the world because of uh, uh, the boogeyman, this invisible thing that isn't killing nearly as many people as we thought it would. And, and for very many, many more reasons than that. But with that, that is the external and that's influencing the internal. So when I jump into the out-of-body experience that I did with 5-MeO, I'm up against that. And everything I'm reading that starts to parse out to be true that I don't want to be true from people like David Icke and other folks, uh, maybe less, uh, you know, less, less of a caricature than David Icke. But the hard facts about David Icke is that a lot of the stuff he said has come true, you know, and that's, that's a tough piece there. But what I want to bridge this gap to is that right now we're at a crossroads. And, and to the point you're bringing up is that we will have a technological technocracy that controls humanity and enslaves the world on one end. That's what the Borg basically equates to an open air prison system worldwide. This is not conjecture. This is not the fantasy. This is what people in the World Economic Forum and the Trilateral Commission Read are some trying Schwab's books. and have been trying. They write about it. It is out in the open. It is hiding in plain sight. It is not, this is not opinion. This is not doomsday stuff either. Right, because that's one side of the coin. The other side of this coin is us stepping into our full power and creating the future we want. It's what Charles Eisenstein says: the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. Mm. And Charles, I'm going to see him uh, in Austin here for our next Fit for Service event. He's going to come speak, and uh, he won't put remember the crowd. me. Tell gonna, him I said hello. Awesome. Though. I'm going to have him on the podcast as well. That's the future I'm going to focus on. But I'm not going to put my head in the sand and pretend this other stuff isn't going on. There are forces that we could call Luciferian that, that seek to control and constrict, right? To dominate, to oppress. That's not in the past. You know, the, the eugenics movement is not in the past. It's right now full steam. Um, and there's tons of ways that I, I will prove that on the solo cast as well with other people's information that's been verified. So again, this isn't just don't take my word for this. You'll be able to dive into it. But the statement you make there is then dependent upon which side we choose. Which one do we want the, uh, what is it? The reactive articular? The RAS, reticular the, activating system. Reticular activating system. What do we set our sights on? Through words and through vision. Correct. Right? And and in large part, I couldn't look away from it. Now, they, they say in Dieta, when you go into a plant medicine ceremony with ayahuasca in particular, cut out any negative programming songs, rap music, whatever, anything that's negative, cut that out. Even cut out some of the good stuff. That way you're just a hollow bone before you go into the ceremony. <laughs> I had not done that. That was a big mistake. 
right? Because all this stuff is fresh in my mind leading into, now I'm going to exit my body and see what's going on in the astral. Oh, it's not airy-fairy like it used to be. I'm not dissolving inside of a star and feeling God's unconditional love. I'm feeling infinite hell, infinite darkness. I've been there. All that exists within it, uh, the full spectrum of expression, which is the all-consciousness. It's everything, right? So I tuned into that field. We can tune in to the light. We can tune into that field and we can create that. And it starts with our words. It starts with our self-talk. It starts with the reticular- Activating system. Activating system. There we go, brother. That was powerful, man. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Um, it's good to know about it. And it's also good to know that we've got options. First and foremost, in our, in our hearts and in our minds, at the, at, the, at the level of how our language influences us. You know, that's, it's, this is an, it's an inside-out job. Um, and that's, that's exciting. It's more than exciting. You know, we're... Corny language. I mean, what a time to be alive. I mean, truly. And there's some people that, you know, influencers like yourself that are... You're swinging, dude. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, I'd rather be trampled in the stadium than be a spectator in the stands. I mean that. And most people's language, again, for lack of education about it, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to include some ultra practical, will deliver the goods uh, uh, exercise for people to do so they can have an experience with it. Somebody has a, a seemingly minor experience of taking out a couple of words and they sound, feel, look, and move forward differently. Then they go, oh, this that dude was, he was serious. I'm, I'm very serious about this. I'm also very sincere. Most people's language, it tricks them into being spectators in the stands, innocent bystanders of their own story. And, and, and some of our definitions are, are in play as well. You know, we gave a TEDx talk in 2017 a lot of fun on language and identity. The current definition of, uh, of, of identity, Webster's, is the fact of being who or what a person is. And I dispelled that idea, there's that word again, on stage with a laugh, 1,800 people. Uh, do you see yourself differently now at, in, in any way than when you were five? Of course you do. We all do. Guess what? Our identities are not facts. They're ongoing, fluid, flexible processes, and we're participating in those ongoing, fluid, flexible processes with our words. And some of your language, it, it, it will trick you into playing the blame game, staring at worst-case scenarios, creating excess indecision and doubt, and, and, and keeping not only your breath trapped in your chest, but your butthole puckered, man. I own unpuckered.com. I've owned it for three years. We almost turned it into an app. True story. Unpuckered.com. I was shocked that nobody had bought that. That is shocking. Unpuckered.com. Yeah, I'll just put it out there. If anyone has a good idea, again, we almost turn it into an app. We, the, the app's coming. We're just calling it something else. If you've got a good idea of, of something to do with unpuckered.com, Message me on Instagram, Mark England 2057. I might give the damn thing to you. I love it, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that. The first thing I think of is the episode I did with Jason Ellis where we got butt plugged. Maybe that could be on puckered.com, some type of uh, custom-made butt plugs. 
Well, shit, dude. Uh, this has been fantastic. Have we, have we, it, I, I know we could keep going here for hours yes. and we're just, you know, I want to give, I want to wet the palate of all the listeners and you have one of your courses that we're going to offer at a discount for everybody. 100%. Um, talk about what people find in that course. Right on. It's called Core Language Upgrade. It's been out in the wild since 2015. People swear by it for a reason. And when one of the reasons that that Barbell Shrug podcast changed us, uh, launched us, is because uh, uh, they had, I think, 15, 16 people working for them. I said, here, here's 15, 16 courses for everybody. Take them, do them. And I thought that they were going to... Um, uh, you know, we'd, we'd do the show and at the end be like, yeah, we took the course and it was, it was really cool. They wouldn't shut up about it the whole way through. You can't buy that kind of uh, 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 advertisement. And dude, that podcast hit and it just like that. This course, and it's super easy to take because we were considerate of people's time. It's 21 lessons, 10 minutes a lesson. Art, it goes into the art and science of the language patterns of the victim mentality and what to do about it. What words to use less of and why, and what words to use more of and why, so you stay focused on the things that are important, you keep the drama down, and you can move forward with, with, with potency. Go to, it's, it retails for $2.99, is a 10% discount for, for Kyle's audience. Go to procabulary.org backslash Kyle, we'll link it in the show notes. Yep, yep. Is that cool? Is it okay if I uh, pitch the the Please. certification? Yeah, brother, absolutely. Cool. I'm a gre- I'm greedy. I'm a greedy person. I'm a greedy teacher. Okay, that is my thing. I will say that till the end of days. And I'm looking for good students, students that want to learn to help people make lasting transformation with their clients by leveraging the power of their everyday ordinary words, also known as deconstructing the victim mentality. Our certifications are, they're all, they fine, they are, I'm saying it. They're fucking awesome. I teach them all, I have a blast, we have a blast. They are, a number of our clients, coaches have accurately described them as brutal and hilarious, because they are, and they are brutal at first, and then they get hilarious. We go there, equal parts, personal and professional development. Go to, and it will, it will, we destroy coaches' imposter syndrome because they get legitimate skills, world class skills. It's a platinum level coaching system. And then it's a great piece of personal work, too. So it's personal and professional development rolled into one with the skills at the end. In lifted.me, watch the five minute video. You want to get on a call with me and talk about it, book in via Calendly. Beautiful, brother. And you already mentioned the Instagram. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks, dude. And uh, I'm going to run through this course because I've been excited to chomp through it. And I finally have some space for it with Wolfie turning one. A new stage we're entering into as parents. So very good, very good on the horizon here. And I've got some time to devote to this. But 15 minutes a day for 21 days is nothing. That that is, I can can make a commitment to that, no question. We'll run this back um, down the road and we'll unpack, you know, what I've gleaned and with the space, how it's impacted me because I already am a coach. I've been coaching for four years and yeah. this is something that I I think, uh, you know, the members of Fit for Service will find great value in as well as all the other listeners as well. So much love to you, Mark. Thank you so much for coming here, brother. Thanks for having me, Kyle, from the heart. Thanks everybody for listening. Abracadabra. Abracadabra. <laughs>